Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. So today we are going to talk about the most recent bank failure, and that is the failure of First Republic Bank. But before we do, I wanted to talk to you about popcorn finance and what's going on, because I don't really feel like I do this very often. Uh, But first of all, just know this isn't bad news. The podcast is still going to be here. I have no plans on stopping this show anytime soon. But I just wanted to be transparent about what's going on behind the scenes with the show, because I'm sure you've all noticed that I've been trying something new when it comes to ads on the podcast. Uh, Instead of me doing an ad read at different points throughout the year, you'll be hearing ads inserted in the middle and at the end of the show. And look, if I'm just being honest, if you're like me, you are probably not a fan of ads. I don't know anyone who (laughs) who likes ads at all. That's just me being real. But I do understand that they are what help keep popcorn finance free for all of you who listen, because I never wanted to ask any of you in the audience for any money. We're all stuck in this very complicated and oftentimes unfair financial system, and we all got bills to pay. Uh, My goal has always been to just provide you all with information and stories to make all of this stuff less scary and help you all navigate through what at times feels like an endless number of decisions that we all have to make. And I want to keep access to all of this free. And also, I didn't want to take any easy money from companies that I do not believe in. And you will not believe the number of crypto ads and partnerships that I turned down over the past couple of years. It's been a lot. And so when I went through all of my options for how to keep the show financially viable, I decided that introducing ads was a way of keeping popcorn finance free going forward. And instead of me trying to come up with something to try to sell you all or just start up some type of membership, I just figured you can all support the work I do here just by listening to a few ads. And if you feel like the show has been helpful at all, then not skipping those ads will really help support the work that we do here. It covers the cost of editing from my amazing editor, Steve, and with all the day-to-day tasks, thanks to Sarah, who joined the Popcorn Finance team in the past year. We're a, a really small team, but every little bit helps me pay these individuals a fair wage for their very hard work that they're really dedicated to. And here's a little secret. You know, you can mute those ads, right? <laughs> no one's going to know if they're muted. They just know if they've been played or not. So don't tell them I told you this. But if you're like, I really hate the sounds of ads. Hey, just go ahead and turn that volume all the way down then turn it back up like 30 seconds, step in it later and then, <laughs> and then you'll be fine. But, you know, that's it. I just wanted to be open with you all and not act like you wouldn't notice that the show's kind of changed a little bit. But I really hope you understand. And I really appreciate you sticking with me as long as you all have. And as always, if you have any feedback or thoughts, just please reach out to me anytime by going to popcornfinance.com slash questions. And there you'll find a phone number where you can call me directly, an email address where you can just send me an email or a form, and you can just fill that out and it'll send it to my email inbox. I always like to have the lines of communication open. So please feel free to reach out if you have any concerns or thoughts or well wishes, whatever it is that might be on your mind. With that out of the way, let's take a quick break, you know, so that we can raise a few dollars with the podcast here. And I'll be back with a breakdown on the failure of First Republic Bank. So just recently, really just in the past couple of weeks, if you're listening to this episode right when it released, First Republic Bank was shut down by California regulators, and this is in a scene very much like what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. It was put under control by the FDIC, but unlike with Silicon Valley Bank, which struggled to find a buyer, Chase stepped in and won the bid to buy them almost immediately. 
And to give you a little background on First Republic Bank, if you're not familiar with them, maybe they're not in your area. I see quite a few being out here in Southern California. Uh, it was founded in the Bay Area, a lot like Silicon Valley Bank and just a couple of years after Silicon Valley Bank in 1985. So, you know, it's an eerie similar <laughs> set of uh, details for this bank. Uh, as of the end of 2022, in a quarterly report that's put out by the Federal Reserve, First Republic Bank had about $213 billion in assets, making it the 14th largest bank in the U.S. And it is just larger than Silicon Valley Bank, which came in at number 16 on this list with $210 billion in assets right before they were closed in March of this year. Much like with Silicon Valley, First Republic grew rapidly over the past three years, almost doubling their assets from about $116 billion in December of 2019 to the $213 billion that it reached in December of 2022. And this jumped First Republic Bank from the 26th largest bank to the 14th largest bank in a very short period of time. And this is actually the second time that this bank has been under the ownership of another bank. Back in 2007, it was purchased by Merrill Lynch, who was then, not that long after that, purchased by Bank of America in July of 2010. And then it was sold to a group of investors and it became its own separate bank once again and listed on the stock market in December of 2010. So it's been a wild ride for this bank. It's been a lot of things going on. Uh, First Republic, one of the things that makes this bank unique and what caused the problems for them is that they cater to a very wealthy customer base. And much like with Silicon Valley, many of its customers held more than the FDIC limit of $250,000, which meant that if there were any fears of the bank failing, money would be pulled out quickly. Because if you have more than that FDIC limit and your bank fails, then you lose that money. So obviously these people are like, hey, we're not taking any risks. We're going to try to shift this money out so that way we are OK if something goes down. And this is what ended up happening with First Republic Bank. As all of the fears about our banking system bubbled up as a result of what was going on with Silicon Valley and Signature Bank, billions of dollars were pulled from First Republic. It's estimated that about $100 billion was pulled from their deposits in the first three months of this year. So that's a lot of money. And then Chase, who ultimately ended up buying First Republic, along with 10 other of the largest banks in the U.S., they went and deposited $30 billion into First Republic in order to try to help stabilize things because there's too much money leaving. But even that wasn't enough to keep them viable and they had to be shut down. So you may be wondering what happens next. Well, all of First Republic's 84 branches were reopened as Chase locations, and it's not certain that all branches will remain open. But like when they bought Washington Mutual way back when I was working there during college, this purchase brings Chase into a new market. When Washington Mutual was bought by Chase, it brought them into California where they really had no presence. Like growing up, I don't ever remember seeing a Chase branch at all. That was just never a bank branch I saw out here. But after Chase bought Washington Mutual, they were everywhere, like literally on every corner now. It feels like I see a Chase location. And after Chase bought First Republic, it expanded their presence into markets like Massachusetts, where they had been wanting to grow for some time. So it does seem like there's a chance that they will keep the majority, if not all of their branch locations open. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Overall, the FDIC estimates that this will cost their fund about $13 billion. And this is a fund that they keep that's paid into by all the banks in order to cover situations like this. So this isn't something that's coming from us as taxpayers directly. I'm sure there will be indirect costs that we will all pay, but there's no actual you know, impact to us as individuals when the FDIC steps in uh, to go and take over one of these failing banks. So in short, this is what happened. If there are any other major updates that come out, I will be sure to let you know right here on the podcast. But as always, I appreciate you joining me here for another episode. And genuinely, I want to say thank you for being here with me and supporting the work that we do. 
again, if you have any feedback or questions, you can reach out to me at popcornfinance.com slash questions. Uh, also, a little quick side note, I'm working on a few upcoming episodes answering more of the questions that you've all been sending in because I know I've been super slow at getting through those and I want to try to get through them a lot faster and not have you all waiting for the answers to questions that you've so kindly sent in to me. So stay on the lookout. Those episodes will be coming soon. I hope you all have an amazing rest of your week. Appreciate you listening to that final quick ad, you know, at the end of this episode. <laughs> Appreciate that a lot. And I will talk to you all soon. Your yeah, boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.